Welcome to a Veterans Podcast, powered by Wisconsin Veterans Network, the show where we hear unique, inspiring stories from veterans all over. Veterans who've transitioned, who've overcome obstacles, and even those still struggling. We will learn all veterans have a unique story, ones filled with pain and triumphs, and we will learn no veteran is alone, no matter the path they took. We share their stories to help motivate and inspire the world, to help understand what it means to be a veteran, and most of all, we share to give them a voice amongst the noise. You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com to learn more and how you can be a part of the show. Welcome back, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a Veterans Podcast. Um, today's guest is... Petty Officer Second Class Eugene Vanderwall. And he's actually here in person instead of phone calls, so it should be really good. And uh, before we get started, today's show is sponsored by Wisconsin Veterans Network, an established Wisconsin nonprofit ran by veterans for veterans. Their mission is to provide guidance and support for all veterans, whether Guard, Reserve, Active, or even a bad discharge, looking for any kind of assistance in the state of Wisconsin. If you're a Wisconsin veteran looking for an answer, whether a simple question about benefits or are currently homeless, give them a call today. You could find more information about them at wisvetsnet.org or at aveteranspodcast.com. So with all that out of the way, um, introduce them again. <laughs> okay, so um, we have Petty Officer Second Class, Eugene Vanderwalt, and he has a really cool story, so I'm excited for him to share it. He served from 2002 to 2007, and then went back active duty in 2018 and is now serving again, if that makes sense. So um, I'm excited to kind of get into it with him and all of that. And, um, you know, fun fact, I've known Eugene for like 18 years. And that makes me feel old. Are you proud of that too? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, been a, it's been a long time, I mean, but meeting up with Kelsey along the way, I mean, we, we had a gap of, I want to say, almost five or six years where we did not see each other. And really? then uh, we found out that we were on deployment together in 2006. Yeah. So Singapore it was. Our yeah. ships were moored right next to each other, and we got to see each other. So it was a good reunion. Small world. Right. Yeah, it was yes. super cool. All right. So why did you join the military? And why did you choose the Navy? So to be 100% honest, so um, joining the Navy, I mean, I've always been into anything water-related and boat-related. And upon moving to uh, Waterford, we were just one day watching TV and stuff, and there was a commercial. And I saw this big ship across the <laughs> ocean, and it said, United States Navy, you know, accelerate your life. And I was like, oh, my geez. dad's like, Eugene, do you think that this will, do you think this will be awesome? I'm like, yeah, boats, water. Great. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So, I mean, without me knowing, a couple of days later, my dad's like, hey, I uh, contacted the recruiter in Burlington, Wisconsin. We we're going to go see him. And I'm like, okay, yeah, great. Let's do this. <laughs> um, so we walked in and, you know, we sat down and, and talked. And, you know, I'm 19 years old. I don't really know exactly what to expect. And a lot of information was, you know, kind of thrown at me. And I was like, yeah, you know, it sounds awesome. But I also didn't know and I didn't realize that. Again, it was a year after 9-11, you know? Oh, yeah. So it was something really new to me. So I was like, okay, great. You know, a lot of opportunities that are great um, things that he offered. So sat down, 
And October of 2002, I uh, shipped off to Great Lakes, and that was it. So, But I think the Navy, just with that, it's always, even when I was younger, it always had a big impact on me. Like, just what can be done out at sea. You know, there's there's a lot going on in the world, and there's a lot of different soldiers and sailors and yeah. people out there. But the Navy has their own unique quality, and I think that's what stuck with me, regardless of anything. And once I joined, hey, that the the, uh, the bug bit me, and we went from there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. How long was your first stint? So I did about five years. So I did four years active duty, and I did one year of uh, active reserves. Okay. And then you just left it all completely yeah, at that point? Yeah, I wanted to kind of explore different opportunities and avenues. Um, I think as any young person, you know, kind of, you think about things and you're like, yeah, you know, the military, I want to only do this for four years. Yeah. And you get to a point and you're like, yep, I want to go to college. I want to live that college lifestyle. It looks <laughs> so tempting. And, uh, you know, I got out, like, I, I wanted to pursue an edu- uh, like an education and go to college and get all that out of the way. So... Went to college and how old were you when you got out the first I time? I was, I would be honest with you, I think I was 24 years old. So you were young. Yeah, I was younger. So you know, mm-hmm. I still had that fire burning within me, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to college. <laughs> I'm gonna play college sports, and you know, I got out, and you know, I worked a couple of jobs, but education was my main focus of getting out. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of, I didn't at that time think about what could happen forward. You know, what yeah. I had. What could have been, you know, to me, it was just like right now, I want to do it right now. And that's where my decisions later on in life kind of not that I made any bad decisions. <laughs> I just think I I kind of realized later in life where the biggest qualities and biggest things lied yeah. for me and what I needed. I've always been a very structured, organized person. And once I got out, that transition was cool. You know, I, it's yeah. a new thing for me. But through time working jobs, I mean, working from line-level jobs all the way to executive director positions, I think with that, I started realizing, whoa, you know, civilian life is, a, is awesome, but I think <laughs> but there I was need a little bit missing. more. Something was always missing. It just, it was a part of my heart, and once that opportunity came up again, I definitely jumped right at it. Awesome. That's cool. That's a, a different perspective. I mean, you did have a lot of different jobs once you got out. And only yeah. because I know you personally, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you definitely tried a lot of things. I did. I did explore. I mean, <laughs> I worked as a salesperson on a sales floor at a retail store from Abercrombie & Fitch to North Face, and then wow. from there I worked at the same. <laughs> I wouldn't ever admit that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I had a... I had a a different start, so, but then I mean, I worked my way at Six Flags Red America as a lifeguard, worked my way up all the way to an instructor level, and then from there, I actually had the opportunity to run to indoor water parks, Amazing. you know, so I definitely saw every aspect of it, and I worked at every level, but something was always missing. It was just always missing, and I, I, I found it when I came back. Do you think in your transition out, because you were 24, you were young, did you do anything to prepare for that transition? Like, did the military offer anything? Did you do anything above and beyond that? Were you prepared to get out of the Navy, or did you think, like, I'll just figure it out when I get out? I have to say that, I mean, I kind of, I have really good parents, and, and obviously, Kelsey, you've met my dad way back, but uh, 
I think my mom and my dad has always told me, kind of prepare for the future. Never spend money that you don't have. So I always saved up. I was a very, like, person that was very, like, conscientious about what could happen and for emergencies. So I saved up with the Navy when I was getting out. Obviously, they've got TAPS classes, which is your transition classes, and getting out. So they make sure, you know, you got your resume together. They make sure you've got your budgeting situation going on. And, and how did you feel about TAPS class? Honest opinion, because we've heard it all. <laughs> So I'm just curious. Kelsey, as we're to also you. talking about a good, let's say, we're talking about almost 13 years ago. So you're making <laughs> me go back here. What year was that? 2007. 2007. Oh, wow. Actually, um, <laughs> so it's been a hot minute. I was but, just uh, curious because I did my first TAPS class in 03, mm. the first time I got out. And that's why I was curious what you yeah. were going to say about it back then. Yeah. It sucked back in I mean, 03. I, I mean, and... You know, I was in paradise. I was in Hawaii, so oh, yeah, right. I don't really care too much. I was just like, let me get out. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest thing is, like, from what I can remember, it was very rushed. And I yeah. think people giving the class and, and, and conducting it, sometimes it's military people. They don't really know what the civilian side is like and what to expect. And you don't get that, uh, like, accurate perspective. So... That's why a lot of people have such a hard time mm -hmm. because they live life to the last moment when they're in. Yeah. They get out and then they didn't think about stuff prior to that, money and stuff like that. So for me, it was like I was good enough. At least, you know, I had my money saved up. So I moved back, moved in with my dad, had a job lined up. So I did prepare myself a little bit because I was lucky enough to have a retail job lined up by the time I got back mm -hmm. to Wisconsin. And from there, I just kind of rolled with it and... You know, but money runs out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and at that point, retail wasn't paying all the bills because I bought tickets to go see family overseas, and I was doing all different kinds of things. But, you know, eventually, like, money started running thin, and I was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, a second job came in then. So, you know, you kind of learn, and that's, that's where my drive, and that's where I had good leadership. Mm -hmm. That's where my leadership came in from what I had in the Navy when I was on the ship. Mm -hmm. I had great leadership that told me always have a backup plan to your plan. So from there, I just kind of took it, and I just kind of ran with it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a different perspective for sure than I think you, we've you know, heard. You know, the interesting thing is between you both, right? Um, I think Kelsey was asked the same question when it came to, like, transition, and she said her chain of command, and you just said it too. And, mm -hmm. like, that shit does not happen in the Army. <laughs> like, you're the two Navy people that I've met, yeah. like, that's the like the number one thing, and I don't know if that's Navy leadership, but like I, you both said the same thing. I think a big thing is, I mean, it's a luck of the draw. Yeah, really? I mean, and I think also it's the attitude <laughs> that Kelsey myself walked into our ships with. You know, right. she she's obviously transitioned through different rates, you know, and and got to shore duty and stuff. But for me, it was like I was this young, skinny. <laughs> boy walking onto a DDG <laughs> and I had an accent. So number one, yeah. you're not going to see me. You're going to hear me because <laughs> I, when I go over the one MC, you know, it's Pedals Vanderwall or Steven Vanderwall that's, uh, that's, um, or the one MC. But, um, I think that's, was it for me, but I'm also a person that like to ask questions, yeah. you know, and I'll ask a question over and over again until I understand it. Some people might get annoyed with it, but I had an amazing chief. He honestly came in and we met up and he said, okay, he's like, you're going to do this. He motivated me. He drove me. 
And one of the last things he told me before I got off the ship, he said, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to get up? And I said, he's like, I'd Venable, I'm telling you this. Always have a backup plan to your plan. And I said, I got you, chief. And that's the biggest thing. It's just like, but I have to say, not just my chief, my first classes. And then we're looking into the officers, operational officers, my XO, my CO. I still keep in touch with them after all these years. That's when you know you've got really good leadership and friends out there that I can call at any time. And they've got my back. No, I think that's pretty cool. And again, it's just unique to hear from, again, I've never really talked to Navy until I met Kelsey. And it's mm -hmm. just interesting to hear that both of you said the same thing about your chain of command with transition. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was different. Like my, my first ship yeah. was much different than my last ship. So there's always, there, there's good. Two and sides bad. of the coin. Right? Yeah. yeah. So this is a side note because I have to comment on this because I think it's cool, but you became a citizen while you were in the military, right? Or right before you joined? I actually was a permanent resident when I joined. Uh-huh. And once again, it was one of those things that I didn't really think about. Yeah. So opportunities were there, you know, but with deployments coming up mm -hmm. and I had ACL reconstruction while I was on active duty, and I pulled off something that doesn't happen every, very often. I actually got off my ship, and I was detached. And when my ship came back and my, I was recovered, my XO, my CO, my operational officer let, told me, you let us know the moment you're up for orders. So they picked me up again. So there were so many things that happened during my four-year enlistment within the Navy that I didn't even think about it. So actually, when I, just when I got done, Oh, actually okay. when I got it. I knew I it was around that time, but yeah. I couldn't remember. Um, yeah, that's cool. That was just a side note because mm -hmm. I think it's neat to point that out. So what were some of the mistakes you made during your transition or things that looking back now because you're doing it again, things that you're going to look at before you get out the second time or you know what I mean? Like learning moments. I mean, yeah, I was I was I was good with saving my money, which is good, and you know I had very supportive parents. But I think the biggest thing is like I th I didn't think future. I didn't think five years from now. Yeah. Ten years from now, I didn't think on what if one day I get married. What if one day I want to have kids and stuff. So that's what kind of, you know, that's something I was like I just want to start like once I got out, I wanted to live for the moment. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to try to catch up for the years I've missed. And that's what I think, in a way, caught up to me. Even though I got my degree and I did what I had to do, you know, and I made a good career for, for myself with everything I did. But I think the biggest thing is, like, I didn't think out far ahead. I just kind of started thinking day by day, mm -hmm. which is good to live day by day. You know, you have to live <laughs> your life to the fullest, but you have to prepare. And I think that's where it kind of caught up to me eventually because I was like, whoa. And nothing working in certain industries. I, I won't go out there and bash <laughs> certain industries like retail. But the biggest thing for me was I, I kind of got, got, I got caught in a loop, you know, and where you've always had the structure where you were being pushed to achieve a certain level. Yeah. Now I had people that just wanted you to perform, but there wasn't always that recognition. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where it dropped off for me. So I had to step up when I started, like, being involved with water parks more, I became an instructor. That's when it kind of like became a reality to me. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I can do this. I like this. But at the end of the day, I think 
I started doing that, and I was like, hold on. I never thought about retirement. And that stuff, that's like, no offense, spoot fed to us yeah. Yeah. when we're in the military, right? And I was like, okay, you know what, this is, this is interesting. So 401k, here we come. <laughs> Late entry, but I'm going to do this. So I started contributing. And then I was like, okay, you know what, but hey, I, I, I just don't know. That's just something that's not there. Yeah. Um, I, I missed the drive, you know, because with retail and stuff like that, and especially with water parks, it's, it's such a weird industry where things just come and go. You know, you see millions of faces here, yeah. mm-hmm. but that's it. And I think for me, I, I wanted to bring it from this broad scale that was out there, and I wanted to bring it back together again and kind of be part of a f- that family, mm-hmm. that, that, that bonding feeling that you have. And I think that's what it, it was for me. It's just kind of like I needed to prepare more and think about what I really needed and not what I wanted. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine how going from military to retail, and retail is just like what, like a nine-to-five job and – yeah. Nobody really cares. They don't care about my schedule. And I mean, <laughs> people complain about the schedule. Yeah. And they go, oh, you never know when you're going to work. You don't oh, show up, they'll just replace you. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, with, with, with it, at least with the Navy, it was like, you know, I knew when I was working. I knew yeah. when I needed to be somewhere. I knew what my schedule looked like. You know, and it's mm-hmm. not like I need to be handheld. But it was just like, I think a lot of young people don't realize what type of how can I say, skills and, and, and structure and stuff gets instilled in you while you're in. So the moment you are no longer in that, yeah, it's kind of like, whoa, it's a free-for-all. Let me just go and just see what I have to do. And that's kind of where things get a little bit array for some people. And that's, that, that, that's what I needed to get back together again for myself. Well, I think we've noticed that too. And the people that we've interviewed, a majority of them have been younger. So when they got out, whether it was a med board or whatever, mm-hmm. They had no idea what to expect. And the two people that we talked to that were older had a different view of like how to prepare to get out and how to find the resources and how to look for the resources. So I think that's definitely like a, I don't know, like an age thing that you don't really learn, especially if you became an adult in the military. Like if you were 17, like I was 17 when I left. Yeah. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it was definitely uh I also think thing. like a big thing was like organizations and stuff like yourself right yeah. those are not things that I th- I think a lot of people know about mm-hmm. you know and and word of mouth back then I mean early 2000s late 2000s was there wasn't those resources yeah. you know and and now it's way more out there but still you know I think this is stuff that needs to be taught in taps classes there needs to be you know you know about the Wounded Warrior Project and stuff like that, but you don't know about, no offense, the smaller group yeah. of people yeah. that's yeah. Oh, you know, sure. in, in a building off the side of the street that can help you just as much in different situations mm-hmm. and be a resource. Like, Kelsey, you like you b- jumped in on a, on a message that I got on Facebook the other day about resources to get their GI Bill stuff going. Yeah. Actually, honestly, I forgot about it. And then Kelsey jumped in, and I was like, that's right. Yeah, he said, he said go to the VA. No. And I wrote... There's less hold times at Wisconsin Veterans <laughs> Network. Yeah. Just yes, saying. <laughs> Call today. Yeah, and I put the number. Yeah, right. um, okay, so so you were out for eleven years ish, yep. um, and obviously we've heard like you miss the family aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You miss like the drive and motivation. Um, so, what has been your biggest lesson learned in? 
going from military to civilian, back to military. Obviously, this is a different military than what you were in from 2002 to 2007. Very much. So what kind of have you learned in that? Because there may be people listening who are like, I just miss it. I want to go back in. Like, what are some lessons that you could maybe share or tips and tricks that might help somebody either pull the trigger yeah. or maybe reevaluate? I think a big thing is the lessons that I've learned is, you know, prepare. Think about what you want in life. Think about what you need in life and kind of prioritize it from there. Um, I think the biggest thing is for me, I, I came out and I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it was just going to be easy. You know, yes, get your education. Yes, get a job, you know. But I think the biggest thing is like people in the military, and, and it's hard to say this, but some people get out of the military with a chip on their shoulder, which, yes, have a chip on your shoulder. That's fine. You've done your time. But at the end of the day, you can't just expect. You need to realize that you are adapting to a different environment. And sometimes people's approaches are a little bit more stern than what you expect <laughs> because, I mean, I was told when I was running the water parks that, hey, you've got a very militarist-like approach <laughs> to things. And I said, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no. He's like, I appreciate the structure and the organization. It's like, it's the way you come across at times. It's like, you're so driven. You're so hard about making sure that everything's a success that I think sometimes facial expressions and just behaviors kind of throw it off. So I think it's kind of, you kind of have to learn to adapt to your environment. And that's the biggest thing. And like Elsie said, I mean, I was out, so I came back in. 11 years later, it is a different Navy. <laughs> the, the mission as a whole has not changed. Yeah. But I also have to realize as a person in my upper 30s, there's a lot of young people under me. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of younger people now that is higher ranked than me. And I will never take that for granted. Like, I will always respect that. I will always respect people's rank. Um, but I just know what myself and Kelsey had to go through. How our, how our boot camp yeah. was. You know, how our schooling was. How our deployments was. How, our, how we were treated in the fleet. Some things are different, you know, and <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of so for me coming in and then knowing how it was when I was younger and I was in my late teens and then seeing how people are now, you know, there's so many different influences now. Look, can we just talk about how girls don't have to cut their hair when they go to Navy boot camp anymore? I looked like a boy for three years because I had to cut well, my hair. You can short. have a bob, yeah. No, it was like... Like boy haircut. Yeah, but now they. Yeah, you can. No, have. now you can have long hair and put it in a oh, bun. Oh, you can put it in a bun. That's so rude. Gosh, why can't everybody feel the suffering of cutting your hair? It was horrible. Sorry, side I note. No, I don't have enough, so <laughs> I can. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, so I think that's all really good advice. I think you have a lot Just of wisdom. Perspective and, and adapt. Yeah. Adapt to your so environment. When, when you went back after eleven, did you have to go back to boot? No. So actually. Um, I tried to get back in 2012, and I was transitioning to a different job, so yeah. things just kind of went um, off the beaten path there. But so 2018, I got a phone call because I was trying to get in, but I wasn't really pushing it too much. Yeah. 
And but I knew I, I wanted to do it. And then I got a phone call from a recruiter in Milwaukee. He's like, Hey, I saw your file in my drawer. <laughs> and I said, Okay. And he's like, Let me let, can we talk? And I said, Okay. You know, it's it's the it's the Navy. Yeah. You know, I can't go in there and say, Hey, I want to get paid this much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I want this. But I knew exactly what to expect because I was a little bit more educated now on what I should have asked. Yeah. Sat down, talked to him, understood that coming back into the reserves. You know, there's a possibility of losing rank and stuff like that. And that's what people need to understand is, like, once you've been out for more than 10 years, those things kick in. You're yeah. going to start losing rank. You need to have degrees. You need to have training hours. You need to have a lot of stuff. Luckily, the recruiter that I had, him and her, both broke stuff down for me and said, hey, unfortunately, the job that you used to have, we don't have that available right now. But the rank that you got out at, that rank, you know, based on your education, your training, your experience, you can kind of just kind of transition right in. So that was the nice thing for me, and I did not have to go to boot camp, but before I became a recruiter, I had to take a couple of <laughs> years, at least a year and a half, to, you know, in the reserves, and that gave me a different perspective. I appreciate the reserves because you never know what they do, yeah. but let me tell you, it's, it's a great thing to do part-time and, you know, get all the benefits that you can get as an active duty as well. So, um, you can, like, half wear your recruiter hat for this question, but half wear your personal hat, because mm -hmm. I, want, I want, like, real advice. I don't want you to be like, oh, I'm a recruiter. Here's the flowery advice. Here's my phone number. <laughs> yeah, here's, here's my number. No. <laughs> um, what advice would you give a young guy or gal who's about to leave for boot camp, um, what would you tell them, like, what's your piece of advice? I, so this is, this is <laughs> the, uh, it should be an easy question for me because I think the biggest thing is communicate with your recruiter. Know what, you're, know what you've been promised and prepare yourself for boot camp. You know, attend all the meetings. Go for your mentoring sessions, you know. Don't believe everything you see on YouTube. <laughs> don't let your parents believe everything they see on YouTube. And don't let your parents listen to other parents because, or other people that got out. There's, some, there's a lot of negativity out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I also look back. I mean, I've had the same experience that people that I was serving with, I tried to, like, just reach out to them when I got back out and kind of seeing how they were. And I just posted something on Facebook about being a recruiter and the negativity came down. But then, remember, I also know exactly who you were on the ship. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just prepare yourself. You know, for us, there's a start guide, you know, that prepares you to go to boot camp. You know, learn that start guide, you know, because the better you are prepared to go to boot camp, the more while you will be respected. Yes, they're going to be in your face. Yes, they're going to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. They are molding you to what the Navy wants you to be. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that is the biggest thing. Because when you get there and you're prepared and they see that, now you have an opportunity to become more, you, you, get, you get to be put in a leadership role. Mm -hmm. Now when you're in a leadership role, now you've got the chance to be promoted, you get recognized. Those are the type of things just for boot camp that yeah. can count so much for you. But then that respect and that education and knowledge carries over right into the fleet. Because now, word of mouth travels. You don't know if you're going to run into someone from boot camp again or from one of your RDCs. And then when you're in the fleet, they can say, hey, you know what? 
I knew, but I was like, oh, she was amazing. She had a good attitude. She was driven. Yes, yes she, was. You know, she, she knew exactly her <laughs> rank and recognition. She knew her sailor's creed. You know, and I think that's the thing. It's just prepare, you know, mm -hmm. and ask questions and make sure you know what, you, what you're going to get because I think a lot of stuff gets lost in translation and things get forgot to be written down. <laughs> Not that it's happened with me, but I'm just saying. That's yeah. actually really good advice, like the studying and the preparing ahead of time because I think a lot of people go into boot camp like, eh, whatever happens, happens. So even before they go in now, there's like mentoring and... Yeah, the delayed entry program. Oh, because you joined at like a weird time. I joined in, actually, I joined in 99. Yeah, 2000, so. And it was signed here. We'll pick you up in six weeks. See you then. Yeah, well, now they have like a whole delayed entry program where they like. Oh, they take time. Like, you have to check in with us at least four times a month. We have to see you in really? person once for a main training session. We have to see you for a depth meeting yeah. where everybody gets together. Then you have to text us at least once a week. <laughs> Every Monday you have to check in, you know, and then another one we have to, we, <clears throat> we do a phone call and stuff. Yeah. So there's just so many ways, you know, and we encourage people to come into the office and say, hey, I got a question, you know, and so we've now moved from a different <clears throat> structure that we've had. Now you've got your talent scouts, you've got your assessors, you've got your onboarders and then your ship. Well, in the, in the, in the past, your, your recruiter kind of ran with everything. He did your interview, he did your paperwork, he yeah. got you to MIPS, and then he, you know, we prepared you for boot camp and shipped you off. Now, every, there's roles within the Navy, yeah. where a talent scout is the one that sits you down, interviews you, goes through everything. If you're a qualified interview, we move you over to the assessor. The assessor goes, and then he takes you, he does all your paperwork for you, gets you ready for MIPS, make sure everything's squared away, get your medical paperwork. From there, once you go through MIPS, then you sit down, they obviously pick your job. If you're qualified, you're good. <clears throat> you pass your scores. And then you go with an onboarder. Now, that the onboarder is the one that does all the fitness. He's the one that does all the check-ins. So it's kind of like they took some weight off of our shoulders so that we yeah. can focus specifically on what we're doing. No, I think, I, think that, I think that's smart. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because even the person joining then gets a different perspective from each person that they interact with. Mm -hmm. So no offense, but you can't, like, hose them. As a recruiter, no, because and they're going to they're going to ask questions. <laughs> yeah, the because they're going to talk <clears throat> to anybody, and and so then I think that gives them kind of an advantage too. A big fear that came up was like, well, okay, well, what's going to happen? You know, I'm giving Kelsey over to you. Yeah. You know, so I already created this bond with her. Yeah. And now I'm moving over to you, so now it's just lost. You know, so but no, it's not. That doesn't mean if you're moving it from from scouting to assessing that. You have to be out of the out of the way. You still help with some paperwork. You know they can still come back to you. You know it, you're always a resource. You're always yeah. there. So and I think that's that's what makes this whole TAOC and tag situation we've got going on so much better. And I think I like that. I, yeah, I didn't I didn't know. That. I live by one of the recruiting offices, and I see all the Marines do more. They do PT almost like every day. The Marine recruits. Yes, they do. They are like. <laughs> I stepped that up at my office. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Yesterday we were on the one side of the sidewalk. It was the Navy, and the other side of the sidewalk was the Marines. We yeah. could oh, see who geez. was the loudest, and we could see who yeah, could they, run they out there. They always run by my house, harder. like screaming in formation. I'm just like this. You know, I got out to get away from <laughs> it. Could you just stop? Yeah. But that's. I mean, they they've got their own unique style of doing things, and and that's right. what makes them great. And I think the Navy. We've kind of been quiet. We've been in the in the background for a yeah. long time. 
well, it's time. We've, we've stepped it off. Pity off Savannah while it's on the job. I got oh, you guys. Oh, jeez. <laughs> there it is. And here is his phone number if you're looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us? Any resources that you found helpful in your transition? I would out like just to in? say, I mean, um, to everybody out there, new and old, you know, prior service, non-prior service, Use your resources that's out there, your veterans organization. Ask questions, you know, go online. If you guys, you know, Google, Professor Google's got a lot of answers <laughs> for you. Professor Google. But, uh, you know, look, out, look, look up resources and stuff and ask questions of people that, you know, you think might be credible and stuff like that. Appreciate your veterans. There's so many war vets out there and stuff like that. You don't know what's going on with them. And that's a big thing for me is... You know, there's there's a lot going on and a lot of suicides happening. You know, yeah. especially yeah. among vets, and we all know about that. And I think if you guys see someone, go ahead. You know, thank them. You know, for their service. You might be that one person yeah. that sparks something today that might that might derail a thought that they've had. And you know, if you want to, like, instead of looking at stuff like Google again and YouTube for answers. Ask a question. You know, when you sit down with a recruiter, I think people just expect when you join the Navy, you're always on the water. No, you're not. When you go see a recruiter, you have to join. No, you don't. Come, just get resources. Just come get the information and see if, it, if it's good for you, if it's a fit for you, you know, and we'll tell you, hey, this is, this is what you're looking for. This is what we can do. And I think recruiters are bec have become a kind of like a telemarketer yeah. expectation, right? It's just like, hey, hi, how are you? Can I help you today? Hey, I'm Peter Savannah. Well, you know, are you interested in the Navy? It's approach. At the end of the day, we're just people. We're just trying to do our job. But yeah. when we do call, don't take it as a telemarketer. Mm -hmm. Take it as, hey, I'm reaching out to you because you have taken a test before or I see your child is a senior in high school. Yeah. What is his plans for the future? You know, we're just trying to help create opportunities. Yeah. At the end of the day, and I think things have changed, and we just want everything for the better. And at the end of the day, we're gonna make sure we help everybody out as much as we can. And if you're willing to help yourself, we'll definitely get you to where you need to be. Nice. I think everybody should join like two or three years, honestly. But that's my opinion. That's, <laughs> I, I, I am not against that at all. <clears throat> I think uh, I think people could learn a lot from that, honestly. But that's because we've all been there, so that's we true. see it from a different perspective. Somebody who's never served might feel very differently about <laughs> that. <laughs> well, thank you for coming in today. You're we welcome. appreciate you being our first studio interview. That's true. All socially distanced, of course. We should preface that. Yeah, right. Somebody's going to message we'll us. Put it in like, the description. Yeah. <laughs> we were socially distanced. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we really appreciate it, and um, good luck to you and your career. Thank you very much. And uh, we hope you have a, somebody who wants to join soon. Yep. <laughs> if anybody's listening and they are in the Milwaukee area and do want information um, on the Navy, you're more than welcome to contact us, and we will connect you with him. Mm -hmm. um, or if you just have questions about the Navy, again, we will connect you to him, so that way um, you can get that information. Yeah. Thank you very sure. much. Yep. I'm on Facebook and everything like that. Just look me up. And I know uh, Kelsey and I will definitely help me out with that. And um, we expect everybody. I mean, like I said, we, we invite everybody into our office. You know, we want to make sure we, everybody's taken care of. So thank you so much for the time. And I appreciate you guys having me to tell my story today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
Thank you for listening to a Veterans Podcast today. To learn more about us, to hear previous episodes, or if interested in being on the show, you can find us at aveteranspodcast.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Wisconsin Veterans Network, a Wisconsin nonprofit operated by veterans and serving veterans in need. Till next time. We'll see you guys.